Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. I have to admit, I'm incredibly excited about today's episode for more than one reason, but my special guest with me today is Dr. Jimmy Knott. Now, Dr. Jimmy Knott is my father-in-law, but he is the absolute expert in the space of leadership. He absolutely inspires us every day and so many that follow him. So, Jimmy, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, Kelly, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for any time we can have uh, time with you and Justin and, <laughs> and our precious little granddaughter. We <laughs> certainly uh, love it. Well, I think terms that would describe me is uh, first, I'm a, I'm a person of strong faith. Faith's had a, cr- a critical right. role in all of my journey, as you know. And then uh, I'm a husband, lovely life for approaching 45 years. It's no. kind of hard to believe. My high school sweetheart. <laughs> and so that was kind of cool. And then I'm a dad of adult children. And one of the great roles in life nowadays is being a granddad to four kids and love that. And hopefully I'll have a whole lot of time with all, all of them down the road. And then uh, I'm a leader. I think for a long time, I didn't early on see myself as a leader because I equated vision with leadership. Mm-hmm. And I never saw myself as a great visionary person. Mm-hmm. I was good at taking somebody else's vision and implementing it and making it happen. And then I came to the realization that I got a vision too, but I didn't get a vision in the same way that most leaders get it. I got it by more or less, Kelly, through, I guess, my senses. I would see, I would feel, I would read, I would touch. And as a result of that, I would see things that needed to get to get done, which is what vision is all about. But there are a lot of men and women in leadership that ideas, direction, vision just kind of comes it just comes out of their mind all the time. And I, I just was never that way. So I thought, you know, well, maybe I'm not a leader. Hmm. But probably 25 years ago, we came to the conclusion, no, I'm a leader. I just get a vision in a different way than somebody else, you know, gets it, which has kind of served uh, me well. About, I don't know, nine months ago, I felt like it was kind of time to move on. I've been in the same role in leadership, same place for more than 40 years and, and wanted to spend really more time with family, especially grandkids down the road. So I'm not sure I like the word retired. It's more kind of <laughs> redeployed. I, I feel was like say, I don't think you're very yeah, much retired. I'm probably as busy as I've ever been just at, <laughs> at different things, but the, but things that are more focused on leadership. Right. I'm spending, you know, outside of family and time, but just all of my time, A ton of time. and executive leadership coaching, which, mm-hmm. which I love most of it in the marketplace, mm-hmm. which I love. And I hope to be able to do more and more in that in the days ahead. And, and I've enjoyed it. I spent 40 years in some capacity of leadership, but never the top dog. Interesting. Never the top dog. Just it kind of never happened. I think I had some opportunities, but didn't feel like I needed to be leave uh, to leave where I was. And so I've kind of found myself over the years somewhere in the middle as a leader. And I think as a leader, it's helpful to think leadership is not just about title or position. I've known a lot of men and women that were given titles and position, but in my view, were not effective leaders. I think if we understand that leadership leading is first and foremost about influence, and just think for a minute, Mm. from the moment we get up, especially as adults, I think children do this too, from the moment we get up every day, we spend so much of our day all day long through our attitudes, actions, behaviors, and words trying to influence the person on the other side of the conversation. It's true. I mean, even a seven-month-old is trying to influence (laughs) and they can't talk. Okay. 
And if you define leadership or influence as anytime you try to alter or change the behavior, the attitudes, the beliefs, the outcomes for another person, you've just assumed a role of leadership. Interesting. So I think understanding that means in all of my relationships in life, but especially frankly at work, then what that means is, is I'm probably leading some folks that report to me. Uh-huh. Okay, that can, and when you think about leadership, Kelly, most people think about it only leading down. Absolutely. I mean, that's when down. I talked to you about it was down, down. And uh, honestly, most experts say that's really probably only 10 to 15% of how we should lead, but we spend 90% there, but that's, that's not where the real influence is. The next phase of leadership is what I call a cross. That's to your peers. That's to your colleagues that you kind of rub shoulders with every day and leading them uh, kind of across. And then there's this really difficult person or persons above me, their bosses, managers, and supervisors, Mm -hmm. which can be intimidating, you know, what to say, when to say it, how far to go. And that's kind of the leading up leading up aspect of leadership, which I really think, Kelly, may be 25% of a person's leadership if they understand that. If you're caught in the middle, which is I was for 40 years, I gravitated over time and I asked myself less, what can I do to influence those who are below me? I wanted to continue to do that. And I began to ask myself more, what can I do to impact and influence the men and women that I report to, to help them win? Therefore, the organization, the institution wins. If, they, if I help them get better, if I add value to them, then the whole organization is going to get better. And that's kind of a win for everybody. See, I love that you say that. So I talk to you about leadership and, and you give me advice and, and we go through things. And as I was telling you, I was telling him a story, kind of the role of some of my students are physician liaisons. And I offer leadership advice and you instantly told me, you said, well, it sounds like they're leading up. And I had never thought of that term leading up. And it kind of goes back to being a leader without being a leader. And you just said, maybe it's a different interpretation. Maybe we spend a whole lot more of our time leading in a lot of different ways. So when you talk about leading up and influencing those you report to and making a big difference for your organization, Where do you think these individuals like physician liaisons were out in the field? No one else is out in the field doing what we're doing. Even if you're part of a team, you're assigned certain physicians and territories. You are on your own. Where traditional workspaces, you're in an office, you're working on accounts, you're there, you're always part of it. And as a liaison, you're kind of on your own. You're out there in the field, you're meeting, building relationships, and then you have to take that information and report it back, whether it's positive, negative, And a lot of the times we have new ideas because we're the ones in the field. We're meeting these doctors and these other practices and we're saying, you know, I think there's a big opportunity here to promote X, Y, and Z. Why don't we start a new focus on this? But it's not always easy for us since we're not the decision makers to explain this or communicate this to get support. So in terms of leading up, what would you say are the best strategies as far as communication or should you organize your thoughts first? Where do you start with leading up? Well, it's a great question. I'm probably going to surprise you with the answer is first of all, you know, I mentioned a while ago, you lead down a small percentage, lead across a little bit larger percentage and you lead up. But there's one other person I didn't mention and that's leading yourself. Mm. Well, which I think probably should be 40 to 50% of our leadership is self-leadership. And let me tell you why. People are watching us all the time. Those above us, around us, and below us are watching us. And if we're not able to lead ourselves well, Mm. 
then why would anyone else below us, across from us, or above us want us to influence or to lead them? Mm. I mean, if I'm looking at you and, uh, you know, he's he, you know, I I don't know that they get it. Why would I want you to influence my life if I don't feel like you're doing a good job leading your own life? So I think the first thing is that you lead yourself well. Mm. You do your job well. You do things maybe that other people are not willing to do because ultimately to lead up, there are several things you have to do to, to lead up. Assuming you're leading yourself well, right. because if you don't lead yourself so well, you have no credibility. Yourself. You don't okay. have any credibility. And ultimately, leadership, which is true of all relationship life, is built on trust, mm-hmm. built on trust. One of the best ways to establish that trust with anyone, but especially, I think, up, is that you do that by asking yourself this question, what can I do to add value to him or to her? How can I help him, my boss, my supervisor? How can I help her, my boss, my supervisor? How can I add value to them? How can I help them succeed? Well, one of the first things that I would do is I would set aside a time with one or all of my supervisors, and I would ask them that question. Mm-hmm. I am here to serve you. I am here to help you and this organization win. Okay. What does that look like to you? Yeah. How can I help you succeed? Because if there's not clarity there, then as someone in a middle management position, you may be spending your time not doing the things that are achieving the desires, the goals, and the priorities of the people above you. So clarity and expectations of what they feel like success looks like is absolutely critical. I know the bottom line is sales. I right. get that. Yeah, I get that. Two things you're saying are really speaking to me because one, you said lead yourself. I do think it can be frustrating as a physician liaison. Sometimes you have new ideas and you want to add things and change it that sometimes maybe you get jaded or you're not doing your regular performance as required because you think you have new ideas. But that's a good point. Kind of lead yourself first to build that communication. And then I love the second point as well. I mean, that's just so important because everyone assumes they have that communication. Don't you agree? When they first sit down, they're like, well, we've talked, we've communicated that. But I teach my students, you need to really talk. So I love that you said that. Really schedule time to find out what's critically important to them. Well, for those that are above you, probably their most important commodity is time. Right. Everybody wants a piece of them. Everybody. And you're not the only one reporting them. Okay. That's true. But I think you need to convince them. It would be in their, it'd be to their advantage if they could give you 15 to 30 minutes every week, every other week, but at least once a month. Okay. And you value their time. You go in there uh, with an agenda, with specifics mm-hmm. of what you need from them and what they need to know. You've been on the line. You've been online. You've been seeing, feeling, and touching things that they're not out there seeing, right. feeling, and touching. Right. Okay, you're on the front line. And it's your responsibility to come back to them and add value by providing honest feedback. You have to tell the people above you things that they don't want to hear or they won't change. Yikes. And that's where a lot okay. of struggle. Yeah. And it's hard. It's difficult. It is but hard. I'm telling you, most leaders, not all, unfortunately, but most leaders will respect that mm-hmm. and somebody uh, underneath their responsibility that has the, the willingness and the determination to speak up because they have the organization's success first and foremost in their mind. I'm going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. 
Okay. Right. So we can change things and make things better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, because it's my job, what's working and what's not working and how I think we can make it better. See, I think one of the greatest things that you can do is provide positive and negative feedback to your boss and what's working and what isn't working and what your new ideas are. I think sometimes we're afraid to approach those above us. But to me, something like this is a win scenario. John, Mary, okay, I, th- I see, I observe, we've got problem X. Here's solution Y. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? You think that might work? You have a better idea? Hmm. And then when you finish that discussion, you've bantered it about, and then you ask the most important question, what do we need to do to get there? What do we need to do to get there? And what you've created is communication that's meaningful, because ultimately, communication is such a great key in building trust. But sometimes when we don't have regular meetings and we don't have yeah. an agenda for the meetings, we walk into the meeting. Listen, I, years ago, I had this happen. I just got 30 minutes with my boss. It was wonderful, okay? <laughs> and I got in there, and it was so exciting. And I walked out, and I walked down in my office, and I thought, we didn't do anything. Yeah. We didn't accomplish anything that really made any difference in the organization. So I learned, okay, I need to go in there with a plan because this is their time, okay, valuable, which is critical to them. And I am honoring them. I'm building trust and respect if I go in there with a plan, with an agenda for them. They really respect that and Mm -hmm. they really respond to that. Because if you do your job well and you're convincing them that I want them to win and organization to win, then you're developing more and more influence collateral. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they will give you they will give you a greater hearing because these men and women that you're trying to coach and teach and help, okay, they're trying to help their boss win. That's that's, true. that's the number one thing. And I think the best way to do that is earn credibility. Well, and I loved how you gave that example because that really resonated with me. My first job as a physician liaison every Monday morning at seven seven a.m. I had a meeting with my boss, the boss, CEO. And I had to talk marketing. He gave me 30 minutes. And I remember some days I felt like I just got beat to the bone. And some days, you know, it just was always a struggle. But it took me a while to learn what you just said. I was prepared for every meeting. I really was. I had the list of where I went. I had things that we did. But what you just said is a little different. You said, we have problem X. You got really specific with the right questions. And I think that's important too. And I love that you mentioned that leading up. And I think for our listeners, like when he's talking about communication, it's more than just being prepared. It's being prepared with the right questions. Am I right? Yes. You've got, you really got to get specific because Mm -hmm. that boss, maybe, maybe two or three folks removed, but you are the only, if I'm understanding their position and their role, Mm -hmm. you're the only one that's on the front line day after day, 100%. You really only know, you're the only one that's really hearing from the men and women out there. And you have to take that information back to those who are the decision makers and convince them, if we don't do this, we're either going to lose the client, we're not going to add value to the client, and you've got to go back to them and give them the good news and the bad news. The real talk. The real talk. And I'm telling you, my guess is they probably got to that upper echelon position, okay, because they were willing to do that. That's a good point. They've been there. They've been there. They understand that. But sometimes, I don't know if it's insecurity. I don't know if it's uh, fear, intimidation. I don't know if it's afraid of how they'll respond. I don't know what it is, but most middle management people are hesitant to give bad news to the people they report to. It's true, because sometimes with what I'm talking about, it can reflect back on a physician and they don't necessarily want to hear that. No, they don't. 
But if we don't change it, you can't ask me to go back there and ask for referrals. You can't create a new future mm-hmm. unless you're willing to confront present reality. Right. Can't. It's impossible. And that includes challenges, struggles, problems, and failures. You have to face, look those in the face in order to bring about the necessary decisions to bring change to make things better. Well, that really kind of leads in or answers. But I think one of the biggest frustrations for me in learning to lead up was facing those hard conversations, telling him or her, look, they just said these six things and it sounds awful. But I had to tell him one time, I'm not walking back in those doors ever again, unless you're going to make a commitment to change this do something about it or we need to move on. So that being said, I, that was my personal biggest frustration mm-hmm. with learning how to lead up. Do you think that's kind of across the board or do you think one of the biggest, are there other frustrations we should be aware of that listeners today can feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Well, I understand the frustration because you're really not in a decision-making position. You really right. can't affect change on your own. You okay. just can't. And that's very, very frustrating. And you're going to win some battles and you're going to lose some battles. But you got to be willing to battle. you got to be mm-hmm. willing to get into the I fray. Like you got to be willing to, I guess, speak truth into the people that are going to be the decision makers to make the change. And there could be a price to pay, but I can't imagine ever looking my boss or these people that we're speaking to, looking at their bosses, Ace, do you want to know the truth? I guarantee you every one of them. Well, of course I want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to be willing to go back and tell it. These are things that we need to get better at. These are things that we need to change. These are things that we need to stop. I can't imagine them not listening. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where the preparation comes in. If I'm sitting where they're sitting, I'm going to ask the question, then what would you do different? Mm, there we go. And now you have a chance to speak. And they're engaging. Now you've engaged them. What mm-hmm. would you do different? And, you know, you don't have all the answers, but you do need to have some solutions and you, you throw out that solution. Okay. But I have done this so many times before. Well, you know, this is what I think we could do. And I would share it. Then would say, how do you feel about that? Hmm. How do you feel about that? It's interesting just asking those questions on the back end to really spark more engagement. And that's what you want is more. Yeah. the more you engage, the better the decisions. Yes. Yes. Because... I will say, though, it sounds like they may get beat up a little bit. I know that I did. I got really beat up. Okay, I was going to say. So leading up, it sounds like one of the core qualities is kind of taking a hit. Tough skin. You can't be, you know, you can't be, uh, you can't be too rash. You can't be too impatient. You can't be too thin skinned. You can't be too sensitive. It's important to talk about because when you're the leader, you have a little bit more, um, how should we say that? Comfortability. You You know, you make the rules. So do do make the rules. Yeah, but remember, most of those people earned their way there. That's true. Okay. They were in a middle management, lower middle management, upper management for a season, maybe a long season before they got to where they are. Okay. So they really do have an appreciation for where you've been. They really do. Mm-hmm. And I think they respect people who want to make the organization better. But one of the critical things, you talked about the communication earlier, Kelly, I'm telling you, you have got to have regular meetings with the people you report to. Mm-hmm. Now, but between you and those supervisors, y'all have to determine what's that realistic. Right. Is it once a week? Is It's certainly at least once a month, if not more. Right. And if it's only if it's only once a month, it's probably 30 minutes. But if it's every other week, maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keeping it short too, like it, you said, let's not make it with an agenda. Yeah. yeah. You go in pinpointing, not wasting their time. And they really respect that, like I said uh, a while ago. But you have to have that regular communication. 
because what's happening in the regular meetings is you're building trust and you're earning credibility and you're earning their respect to listen to your ideas. Mm-hmm. You don't ever talk with them except through emails. It's just not going to happen. It's That's true even on the agency happen. side. Yeah. You just have got to get into the room and look at each other and talk to each other. And the whole time you're doing that, you're building connection. Mm-hmm. Building connection. And we tend to trust people we connect with. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about that's what a physician liaison does. That's why we don't work from our computer and just send emails or texts because we believe that the actual in-person connection really develops that mutual referral relationship between doctors or helps facilitate it. Let's put it that way. Shows that we care, we're making an effort. So I agree with you completely on that is the difference those in-person meetings have. And I was in your office the other day and he had this book, just I swear it was not even put away. It was just kind of facing me like you meant it for me. And it said, learn how to ask the right questions. And I think that's a lot about what you're talking today. Is that a big part of leading up to is when you're talking about preparing this agenda, there's certain things that you think in your head when you're leading up, do you go through like a question board that you have or how do you prepare these questions well, to I think promote questions this engagement are, you're I talking about? I think questions about? are game changers. Yeah. I just, it gets everybody thinking. Mm-hmm. So I really do prepare questions in my mind and in my notes when I go meet with somebody. I have lots of questions uh, for them. And a lot of it has to do with, it's not just what I think, it's also what do they think. And I've discovered all of my bosses down, I look back, all of my bosses down the road, they were all consistent in a few things they said about me. But one of those was, wow, you ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so and, does your son. <laughs> and, and, and I ask, but when you do that, here's the message you're conveying. I'm curious. I want to learn. I'm teachable and I'm humble. I like the humble one because a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. Exactly. But how do, there's no way to learn and get better without asking questions. It's basically hard questions. Mm-hmm. Hard questions. Like, I'm wondering if some of the people that I'm talking to, you know, frankly, they probably have more than one boss. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a tough world to live in. I wonder what, if they have three bosses, yeah. I wonder what the answers would be and how consistent they would be if they asked each one of those bosses, would you please define success for me? Right. I bet it would be different, to be honest, with some of these. But if I'm sitting in that seat and I've got three bosses, I'd like to know the answer to that question. That's good. That's a good point, though, because. I, <laughs> I'd like to know as, Okay. Even if it's different, can I do all of them? Right. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Or maybe, again, we're trying to help them and trying to help the LAs on person as well. Maybe one of the things that need to happen is those bosses need to get together in the room with you and say, listen, I'm not sure really where to go. I feel like I'm getting on the horse or riding off in all directions. I ask each of you the same very simple question. What does success look like for me? And I got three different answers. Which is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the greater the clarity of the expectations, okay, in the communication process, then the greater the likelihood for success. And that's bold. That's hard to say. Oh, it's I've very- talked to all three of you and I have three different answers. You know how many people would actually bring that to the table again? Very few, I think. And I think that's important what you're talking about. Wouldn't that be important doing it? It is. It's having the courage. You have to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's important. And again, I don't know if those three bosses are talking to each other. There's a good chance in a big organization they aren't. Right. And if they are, not about you. You. (laughs) (laughs) Not about you. Okay. They're talking about things, but not about you. Okay. But vision happens because it's clear. 
and it's followed through. And if there's not clarity on what the expectations are at every level, yeah. okay, you're going to really minimize your productivity and success and profits. You are. Okay? Yeah. You, and you have to come back to that with a great deal of regularity. What could I do to be doing my job better? And the only people, that, best people to ask that question are the people you report to. Well, and the way you're talking about this, I'm really starting to better understand the term you're talking about leading up. I feel like you've broken it down in, in different aspects. Is even in my head, I'm thinking of my, here I am. I haven't been employed by a physician in a very long time. You know, I have my own agency and I'm going back to all these times, all the meetings that you had. It is interesting how you talked about that, how you talked about the right questions, using those meetings appropriately, leading yourself to put yourself in a position of trust. That is like you said, the foundation. It is. And then we get to have the hard conversations. You said we're responsible for feedback, but the way you position those questions mean a lot to me personally, because that is how you get them to engage. Like you said, they're meeting. They're just not talking about me. Right. And sometimes I need them to talk about me, yeah. you know? So I think you're kind of creating this atmosphere where we do have engagement and input, and that's what's missing a lot in some of these positions. The last question I, or it's not the last question, but on a different side of leading up, sometimes liaisons are working with two different physicians, a physician that refers to a doctor, which is a specialist, and they also have to lead up in that position. They have to organize these two people to get together. Is that just go back to basic communication, do you think, and the trust that's earned through those well, meetings? first, you have to do your job well, and you have to build the trust. But I'm really big on asking questions. What are the expectations mm-hmm. of both of right. both of those and make sure that they're really clear and then do it uh-huh. and then just simply do it. When you do it, you're building credibility. When you do your job well, mm-hmm. you're building credibility and credibility equals influence. Absolutely. You know, Kelly, I was just thinking, let me throw out maybe a suggestion of a process that the listeners can go through and maybe sitting down with these folks that are in upper management above Please them. do. And we, okay. we can put, put this on the website okay. too. I call it four helpful less, but here's, here are four questions. And that would be, sit down with a boss. And the first one is, let me tell you what's going well. Let me tell you what's working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Start nice. it off really, really Warm nice. Warm them up. Warm them up. This is what's good. This is what's working. Two or three really quick bullet points, okay? The second question is, this is what's broken, okay? It needs stuff. to be fixed. This is what's broken. needs to be fixed. The third one is what I call the clarity. This is where we're confused and we need to discuss, we need to talk, we need to get clarity on something, Mm -hmm. okay? And then the last question is, what's missing? What's needed? We haven't thought about, we haven't discussed, okay? We haven't bragged on it. We haven't tried to fix it. We haven't tried to clarify it. What's missing? What, What are we blind to that needs to be added to the equation for success, So what's right, what's wrong, what's confusing, and what's missing. I love that. I'm going to have to use that with my students too. That is just such a great way to talk about using your time at the best of your ability with your admins or your executives or whoever you're talking to. I, I think what's going well is usually mentioned. Yeah. Depending on the person, what's not going so well. And then maybe they'll have, do you have any questions for me? Which is just not a great question to no, probably leave with. I mean, no, we have to dive no. deeper here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I love that. I think those four questions to give at least them a format when they uh, begin to approach the boss. Let me tell you, we're winning where things are good. This is not good, but and uh, we need to fix it. Here's my suggestion mm-hmm. on how to fix it. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And how do we go about doing that? And then I'm confused here. And then last, you know, what have we missed? We've not even thought about. What a great process. Yeah. And that's, I think, for anyone across the board, coming prepared, 
with that agenda in your head, plus the agenda items you need and kind of focusing on communication and engagement. And like you said, tough skin. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's a lot of tough skin. Don't take things personal. Really, don't take things personal. That is so true. My first job, gosh, every time I think about it, I cringe. So this meeting, I would go in with this doctor. CEO, it was just him and me and the rest of the other head executives of the organization. And I had, you know, very limited time. And I'd go in and just like you said, it took me a while to get from beginning to where we were at the end, where I was asking the right questions. I was engaging. I was, he would just beat me to the bone. And he beat so many other leaders to the bone where they just stopped bringing up things. And I just thought, well, that's going to reflect on you. But yeah, I mean, tough skin, I think, is a huge part of leading up. I mean, even you know, with my course and stuff, always be open to feedback, don't you think, as well? Yeah. Well, you know, feedback is critical for improvement. Absolutely critical, it both is. up and down. Mm-hmm. You have to give it. And one of the very interesting things that's taking place societally, especially in folks in their 20s and 30s, and my guess is a lot of the folks I'm speaking to are 20s and 30s and maybe early 40s, kind of known as the millennial generation, okay? Mm-hmm. They love feedback. Yes. <laughs> they love feedback. I grew up in a world where if your boss was calling you in, you were in trouble. Uh-huh. Okay. The millennial generation, if they're not talking to their boss and getting feedback, they feel they're in trouble. Wow. That's a big difference. Big difference. A big difference in it. And what makes this difficult is there can be a disconnect if you have a boss who is more or less, let's say, uh, 10, 20, and 30 years older than you are that are more in my generation. They grew up with this. If your boss is talking to you, you're in trouble. So they don't call you and they don't talk to you because you're not in trouble. Mm -hmm. But you're on the other end of the spectrum saying, I'm not having time with my boss. I must be in trouble. I must be in trouble. Right. And so that's why this regular meeting is critical for you to be productive because you don't want to live in fear. Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? Or like a bomb's going to drop. Exactly. You're waiting for that bomb to drop. So it makes you hesitant, okay, to move forward. And you can't be in mental management and sit and wait. You can't, you know, you got to be proactive. You got to move forward. And sometimes you got to be willing to ask for forgiveness, even then permission. I agree with you that. Be I mean, there's a risk to it. But listen, I'm telling you, those men and women who are sitting above you, they got there because they took risk. 100%. I would have to say, even in my own entrepreneurial journey, and even when I was an employed physician liaison working for a physician, sometimes I just, I had to go. You got to go. Had to go with my gut. And, you know, I got in trouble sometimes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I also made them a lot but of money. made a lot of money. Right <laughs> so, decisions, exactly. So it's good. Well, we talked a lot about leading up. Are there any other strategies or core concepts that you want to make sure we include in this leading up conversation? Well, I think we've really hit the highlights in terms of the importance of doing your job well, building trust, building credibility, opening up the lines of communication consistently, Consistent. not infrequently, right. but but consistently. I think if we were wrapping up, just a couple of big thoughts would be leading up, which is frankly true and leading whatever direction it is, build trust. Trust. Build trust. Nothing is more important. And then next, communicate frequently, communicate frequently and lead the way in that communication. You lead the way. That's where we talked about the right question. Exactly. You lead the way. And that's where you talked about what's going right. What's not. Things we need to fix. What's broken. Clarity. And and then then what's what's missing. missing. I love that. I love that. For my physician liaisons, we talk a lot about those meetings. That is really the headspace we need to be in. I think too often we just regurgitate where we've been and what we're doing. 
and yeah. we're not going to get much engagement. And we don't get to see these doctors or admins of our own. Like you said, time the time we get is so sparing. It's their most important commodity is their time. It is. They only have so much and you've got to use it wisely for them. And part of the thing, we haven't really talked about that much, but I think one of the roles that I've learned in middle management is to trying to anticipate the future, anticipate the future, especially for your leader, because these men and women are out there, they're on the line every day and they're seeing what needs to be done. And that ball sitting in their suite is not there. So you've got to be able to anticipate for them the future and the needs to look ahead. Otherwise you live your entire life reactionary Mm -hmm. rather than proactive. And those meetings should include, this is what I see ahead. This is what I see ahead. You know, that was a little bit off, but no, I want to get it. And before we sat down for the podcast today, I was talking with him and I said, what about the ones that lead teams? And I just want to let you guys know, we will be doing an episode talking about leading teams at some point. So I'll let you guys know that. But I love this topic because you hear leadership I don't think anyone talks about this very much. Do you agree? No, no. What we talk about when we talk about leadership is how to influence the people below Below. us. That's what we talk about is leading down. We simply don't discuss leading across to our colleagues, but especially leading Mm -hmm. to our boss. And it's critical because that's where the decisions are made. That's where the authority lies. And learning how to lead them and to influence them, okay, impacts the organization at every level. Well, and you feel, I feel like, you feel more fulfilled. I feel like your job feels more fun. You're more of an impact on your organization and nothing's worse than feeling like you're not being heard or yeah. you're not making a difference. Yeah. And you're not valuable. I can't tell you've been there when, when you, right. when, there were times when I walked out of a meeting and I, and I walked out with these thoughts. He heard me. <laughs> yeah. He heard yeah, I've been there. You're talking about motivating. Yeah. I mean, you're ready to conquer the world, you know. So true. My boss heard me and and is going to do that. Oh, that's so inspiring and so motivating and moving and moving ahead. That's a really good point. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kim. Please tell my listeners where they can find you. So He's also a very successful published author. So I want you to talk a little bit about the books as well as the website. Okay. Well, I want to encourage them. I've got a lot of material, a lot of leadership material on uh, JimmyNot.com, J-I-M-M-Y-K-N-O-T-T.com. And I've got one menu item, leadership. And gosh, Kelly, I'm going to guess there are probably six hours of leadership listening there in videos that are 25 to 30 minutes, not real long, right. uh, dealing with a lot of different aspects of leadership, some of which that we talked about today. And a number of years ago, after you know being in leadership for so long, I just felt like I needed to sit down. And frankly, I was motivated by the men and women that I had had the privilege of influence over the years saying, Jimmy, you need to put this in a book. So a number of years ago, I published a book entitled, It's All About Leadership. It's All About Leadership. And that book's available on Amazon. I hope they'll go check it out and write a review. Yes, please do. And it's a great book too, for just quick reading as well. You don't, you know, you can open up, he breaks it down in different chapters and really easy to consume. I love it. It just, it really, really helps. So check out at jimmynot.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.